This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. We've made it very clear the reasons for taking the knee. Um, the pleasing thing was that was drowned out by um, the majority of the supporters who, who got behind things. So absolutely, we don't want to hear the booing. Um, but it was good to hear the reaction that, that drowned that out. Well, um, I, I don't think you'll ruin Bukayo's night, um, but it's, um, yeah, I'm very conscious that I'm the leader of a very young group of men and um, we want their experience to be, with England to be a good one. So we're trying to make a difference with some of the statements that we make. Um, we know that football isn't going to solve all of those problems. Um, but I think there is power in the stance that we've taken over a long period of time and uh, I still think it's important that young people see an England team showing that togetherness at the start of the game as they did. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Gareth Southgate speaking after England's 1-0 win over Austria. Oh yeah, we're building up to the rescheduled Euro 2020. Such as... The times we live in. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It's it's been stuck indoors all this, just like you, just like you and and my guests tonight. Let me let me introduce them. Craig Marias is here. Hello, Craig. Hello, hello. Great to be back and uh, looking forward to the Euros. Yeah, I bet I know what you've been up to this week. You were there, right where you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Back back to work and grinding. Des Corkill is also here. I know Des has been working this week. I heard him last night. Hello, Des. Hello, yeah, and I'm, I'm still a little bit uh, fatigued and jet-lagged. It was late in the morning and there were late goals that absolutely suffocated Malaysia. Um, Got to get ready for, for Vietnam. I love your two-hour quarantine sessions. Stay wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, in, I was in Dubai, you know. I was in Dubai. <laughs> of course you were, of course you were. Bob Holmes is also here. Hello, Bob. I haven't been anywhere, I have to say. <laughs> haven't been anywhere. And I've got itchy feet. Ensconced in deepest, darkest PJ is our boy. <laughs> <laughs> tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us uh, or tweet us individually on, on, on Twitter. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Right. We heard Gareth Southgate at the start. A, a lot of the big boys gearing up for the big Euro 2020 kickoff. It is literally seven days away. So we, let's talk about some of the guys we saw in action. Uh, England won, Austria nil. Um, it was a Bukayo Saka goal, Craig Marias, that um, got England through this. But I mean, I, I watched it, the game, and you know what? Austria were unlucky not to score. They made so many chances, right? They did, they did. It's it's important to remember that it was against a depleted England squad. Um, <laughs> nowhere near Gareth Southgate's uh, stronger side that he would put out against um, uh, Croatia and all that. But yeah, it was it, it was a it was a mixed night for me, uh, to be fair, because I don't think England played well by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know. It was good to see Saka score, uh, but you can't imagine that he'd be, you know, anywhere close to that first 11 um, by the time the, the Euros come around. Um, and obviously there was a little blemish on the night, which was uh, Trent picking up that injury in stoppage time. And um, he actually had a decent game. And and the sad part of that is is the fact that he's worked over the last three months, I think, 
really hard to get himself back in in kind of contention uh, for a place uh, in the Euros. You know, he went obviously got dropped uh, from the squad. Um, I think it was in March, maybe. Yeah, seven um, games he missed out on. Yeah, I mean, well, he missed out on that, and um, and obviously, you know, the form of Trippier, Walker, and 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 Reece James uh, put him almost that fourth choice, but. I mean, the, the the kind of resilience that he showed, the character that he showed, I think, uh, to kind of win his place back in or get himself into that squad, I, I think, has to be admired. Um, and, and it was just, I mean, it was, he just kicked the ball with his left left leg and it and it just went, you know, and yeah. um, and, it, and it's just so sad to see, you know. I mean, if it was a crunching challenge or something like that, you kind of ex, um, uh, accept it as part and parcel of the game, but... It was just kicking a ball with your left foot and your thigh, uh, your thigh muscle goes, yeah. and um, that's it. You know, that's that's the Euros out for him, and so um, that that was the only thing. But yeah, a lot of work for England to do. But important to remember that um, a lot of um, players that you'd expect to feature in that first eleven weren't available. Yeah, thankfully England are down to their last three right backs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they could always call Aaron Aaron Wan Bissaka you know, to, to make up the. But 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 Bob, joking aside, um, you're an England fan. The central defensive partnership. I know we talk a lot about Harry Maguire and his lack of pace, but Harry Maguire lends organisation to back fours, and and England are going to miss him. And they're taking a half cropped Maguire. That's really weird as well, isn't it? Yes. Um, I mean, you saw the evidence there. Um, Mings is, I think, not quite up to it, is he? And he had a very rash moment um, for which he was inexplicably not punished. Um, I mean, I like him. I like him as a guy. Makes a lot of sense. uh, Talks well. But I don't think he's quite up to international class. And I think lately, Harry Maguire has got quite a lot better since he's been injured. When we've seen, <laughs> when we've seen the competition, you know, he's the best we've got. I don't think he's great. I don't think anybody does, even Harry himself. But I think he's the best we have. He has leadership qualities. He's a big unit and he can pop in the odd goal at the other end. So he is a big miss. But what I took from this was, a, a bit of a reality check, which is probably not an entirely bad thing. It's a mm. bad thing for to lose a player of uh, Trent's ability before the, the tournament has even started. But I think um, the fact that Jordan Henderson played no part in this whatsoever, and he was obviously scheduled to, to do so, uh, is a bit worrying. And I think when uh, Southgate looks at who he's going to bring in or who he's going to replace, I mean, he's replacing Alexander-Arnold, of course, but he's already got three, three right backs. I think he may have to replace Jordan Henderson, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. take him out of the squad, but mm-hmm. he doesn't look ready. He's only going to be ready if England get to the quarterfinals, which we hope they do. But... Uh, you know, he could have done with that game last night, very much so. And it, I think it changes the balance. Uh, who does he put in? There's talk of Jesse Lingard, who was a bit unlucky to miss out. But if you're replacing Henderson, uh, I think it has to be Ward-Prowse. Yeah. It's not a very exciting choice. But you're well, taking... You can bring in Ward-Prowse 
And if you have to replace Henderson as well, what Prowse can come in for for Trent. So you've yeah. got a right back. But Henderson. Off, off. Yeah. Henderson, yeah, Henderson will still be in the squad yeah. and hopefully play some part, but he doesn't look as if he's going to be ready. And uh, so there's a there's a vacancy there in midfield, whereas we are well covered at right back, as has been well documented. <laughs> this is so. This, that, yeah. So I, I feel that 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 could sway the decision. And and England are are weakened already, uh, yeah. unfortunately. But as I say, a bit of a reality check. I don't want people to get carried away. They're the bookies' joint favourites with France, but that's because a lot of money's been put on them. That's not because they are there on merit. That's the bookmakers who don't want to pay out so much should uh, England win. But um, yeah, a lot of work to do. Um, I think he picked a good squad. I, I agreed with every single man in the in the 26. But now, you know, this is where... Southgate earns the big bucks, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, positives from the game, Des Corkill. I, I thought Jack Grealish showed that maybe he can help run England's midfield. Uh, it was it was shades of Brian Robson of the old, the way he was swashbuckling through. And um, I'm grasping here. Are any other positives for you? You are grasping at uh, very, very, very light straws there. Uh, <laughs> Grealish ran into cul-de-sacs he held on to the ball uh, if, if England are trying to, to get the ball move quickly, he holds on to it he dribbles, he's clearly um, a, a fabulous player but he needs time on the ball and, and England didn't really, England were bullied out of it by Austria yeah. and I think uh, one of the lessons, it's, it's kind of following Bob's theme, is that uh, Austria aren't anybody's favourite to do anything, uh, maybe they, they might make the knockout stage by maybe coming third in their group. That would be the, their, their expectations. And yet they gave England a physical buffering, a b- battering. Um, they, they could and should have got the equaliser uh, towards the end of the game when they were clearly the better side. And um, th- that is, I think, possibly the wake-up call that somebody like Jack Grealish has got to realise for all of the hype, he became a better player when he was injured as well. Um, so maybe the idea is to pick out a, a best 11 of players who can't play and then England will win the championship. So Southgate is, <laughs> is on the right track because he's brought two crop players in Maguire and Henderson <laughs> along with him. All right, well, England's, England's next mission is Romania. Monday midnight. Uh, it's the last chance for Southgate to do any tinkering and Craig what would you like to see as an England fan in in that game in England's build-up to the big kickoff well because um you know there's not many games in preparation uh, before the start of the Euros um you'd like to see the strongest 11 out there um you get your Chelsea boys coming back you get City boys coming back you get the United boys coming back um and you know you'd like to see Gareth Southgate I mean you get a better idea of what uh, kind of team Southgate's going to start with, you know. Um, they haven't played a lot of football together in recent months, obviously. Um, and and he has to put his strongest 11 out. Um, I'd like to see no injuries again. Um, you know, we, as, as Des touched on, you know, there, there's been a lot uh, coming into this. Um, and it just seems like every Euros or World Cup, you know, there, there's an injury for England to one of their key players. Um, but, but it is what it is. You know, it's a physical sport. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see um, the strongest 11 out there really, um, you know, 
producing a, a kind of masterclass and, and showing us what we should be looking forward to at the Euros and why we are joint favourites with France. Um, I mean, they, with England, there's always a lot of hype. You've got to understand that. Um, it's about delivering. And I think Southgate's always done really well to kind of get that. I mean, we saw that over the World Cup. Um, you know, there was no expectations there. They got to the semi-finals, um, But, you know, now there is that expectation. And he's touched upon that in his press conference as well, um, saying, you know, it could be a little bit different this time around. You're playing at home, um, majority of your matches at home, um, in front of the crowd. And, you know, there, there is going to be that expectation because of the, the World Cup a few years ago. So, I mean, it's how the players deal with it. I think Southgate's the right man. Um, I love how he comes across in his press conferences. Um, he seems like he knows how to manage the situation and the players. So, um, against Romania, uh, I, I just want to see the strongest 11 out there and yeah. really putting on a performance. Yeah, it, it's it's a knitted kind of waistcoat cardigan type thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, I did, I did, I did mention that. I was like, bring back the waistcoat. The waistcoat has to come back. <laughs> <laughs> but but Bob, I mean, Gareth Southgate's first 11 right now, I. I'm probably right saying this, would include Raheem Sterling in one of the front three spots. He's he's been picked ahead of Ollie Watkins. If you if you <laughs> see Twitter, there's been a lot of uproar, but he's not had the best of seasons, Raheem Sterling, but he's now one of England's senior players. They, they're going to have to need him to deliver, aren't they? Yes. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to be an automatic uh, choice, though. I mean, he would have been... Uh, a few months ago but as you say he's not had a very good season and he didn't have a very good Champions League final either did he Um, he looked rusty and missed a chance Um, although Southgate does show quite a bit of loyalty to players who've served him well in the past and Sterling has been one of England's stars in the past no question about that Um, it's a tough one that but who's going to challenge him? Uh, I mean, you you said early on that uh, Saka would be nowhere near to the starting eleven. I'm not so sure about that. Actually, I think um, I think he could force his way in, uh, especially if uh, Sterling is um, is off form. Uh, Rashford. I mean, obviously Kane is going to play, and I think Sancho will be on the right wing. It's a question of who's going to play on the left side. And yeah. Sterling had that position, uh, really, didn't he? Um, it was between him and Rashford. Um, but I think Saka could be a, a bit of a bolter here as a, as a challenger. And uh, I was glad he was picked. Um, he wasn't a certainty, but I, he's also very adaptable. He can play left back mm. if it comes yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. to mid as well. <laughs> yeah, as well. yeah. So I mean, can he, he play would, right he... back though? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got a few options. Um, the main thing I think is to keep uh, Harry Kane in cotton wool. Um, but because if he if he gets uh, injured, then uh, then we are uh, we are struggling a bit. I mean, you've got Calvert Lewin, but different uh, different type of player, different level altogether. Well, I like Calvert Lewin. He's, um, I think, he's come on a lot in this uh, yeah. season at Everton. Uh, a, a big dynamic force up front, but um, doesn't do much else. Whereas Harry Kane does track back, can play as a number ten. Maybe not right back though. 
<laughs> it's a Great trouble position. Take it, though. It's a trouble position. You can only solve with four in the squad. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, England's opponents on, on Sunday, their, their last build-up is Romania. Romania have not qualified for, for Euros. They actually played friendly on Wednesday against Georgia. They drew 1-1. So England expected to do well here, Des. Um, I, I know I know you don't have much time. Uh, they, their second compared to your beloved Liverpool when you talk about England. But you you want them to do well at the Euros, don't you? And, and they're playing at Wembley. Surely, how far do you think they can get? Okay, they're not even second, by the way, just so you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, the, the, England uh, have got this huge advantage of all of their games. If they, if they win all of their, their three games at Wembley, including the game against Scotland, um, then they have got the chance of playing seven games at Wembley. It's a phenomenal advantage. Um, even if it's a third full or whatever, whatever the figure is, uh, uh, if, if, so long as the fans are supportive and get, get behind the team, it's, it's a huge advantage that they, they need to capitalise on. Um, and also, I think the fact that four of the third-place teams in the group takes a lot of pressure off the first game um, against Croatia. Everyone says, "Oh, you've got you can't in tournament football. You can't afford to to lose your first game." I think in this format you can, Mm. because of the twenty four teams, sixteen go through uh, to the round of sixteen. So it's not ideal to lose your first game, but I don't think England do need to start off um, absolutely firing on all cylinders. Um, I I think they they can afford to, to be cautious. Just make sure they negotiate their way through the group, ideally winning it and staying at Wembley. Um, and, and that might be in the thinking of why Jordan Henderson's in the squad, um, because it's he's probably thinking five, six, seven games. Mm. Um, ho- hopefully it's not wishful thinking. And, and yes, I'd like England to do well. Um, just <laughs> I don't want any more Liverpool injuries. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but but it's. It's not all about Croatia. Very often you go into these tournaments. Oh, the first game is so, so crucial. Not this time. Not this time. You can afford a draw. You can even afford to lose um, a, a defeat and still get away with things. And I think Austria and Romania will be good physical tests for those who, who are maybe thinking, oh, we're England. Of course, we're going to do well. Look where the bookies favourites. And um, it might be a wake up call and uh, slowly, slowly, slowly get to get into the tournament. Then it gets right. fun. Once you hit the quarterfinals, it's great fun. Okay, then. Um, it's England's final game uh, in the build-up to the Euros. England-Romania is Monday midnight kickoff. We are off for a short break. Come back and talk about the Scots and the Dutch. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Brilliantly done. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wonderful control and superb execution. Here we are with Craig Mariah, Cesc Corkill and Bob Holmes looking at the midweek friendlies that took place. Of course, Euro 2020, the rescheduled Euro 2020, kicks off next Friday. Um, Netherlands 2, Scotland 2 was a depleted, and when I say depleted, as if Scotland can get even more depleted, they were. Very depleted going into this game. Um, one of the players tested positive for, for COVID, John Fleck. So six of those who were near him stayed in the training camp in Spain. So poor old Steve Clark, 
went to play Holland. It was the big build-up because Holland were closest to England and all that. But you know what? The Scots gave a great account for themselves. Unlucky maybe not to come away with three points, Craig Marais. Very unlucky. Well, I'd say three points, a win. (laughs) Uh, Very lucky. Um, You know, it was only uh, Memphis Depay's fantastic free kick in the last minute um, that that denied them. And uh, very uh, positive for the Scots, actually. Um, You know, I think everyone, you know, with John Fleck and, you know, the six others missing, everyone expected a hiding. Um, But this Dutch side, they're not the same Dutch side that Ronald Koeman had. You know, since Frank de Boer's taken charge, you know, they've, They've, they've been struggling, you know, there's a change of formation, um, you know, the players uh, under Koeman, when, when he took over, he um, he got them back into uh, a side which, you know, Europe kind of feared, you know, the, you know, they had Van Dijk at the back, he had the pie up front, you know, Wijnaldum was, was played in a more advanced role um, and, and he had them ticking, there were some great young youngsters coming through. Um, however, um, he left abruptly um, as soon as Barcelona came interested. Um, and um, they, they replaced him with uh, Frank de Boer. Now, doesn't have the best managerial record, um, and, and it was a bit, um, a bit controversial in terms of his appointment. And um, it has not gone well. Um, if you read, you know, all the comments from the Dutch fans, um, they're, they're not looking forward to these Euros. I mean, this this was the Euros where um, we kind of expected Holland to, to come back to the old Holland. You know, they, they've they've gone off the radar for quite a while now, mm. <clears throat> and. Um, we thought, okay, you know, there, there might be something here. You know, they, they might be coming back and, and they, they've always got talented players. Uh, it was all about whether they can click as a team. Um, and and it's, sadly, um, I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it happening. They've, they've got players that are capable of producing moments of brilliance, um, yeah. like Memphis Depay did yeah. in Scotland. Um, but there's just too much uncertainty um, going in. I think tactically, they're not set up well. Um, I don't think the players are comfortable playing the system that crewman has got them playing. Uh, sorry, the uh, ball's got them playing. Um, and uh, yeah, as talented individuals as they are, I, I can see them struggling here. Yeah, but Memphis Depay has the potential to light up a tournament. He just, he, I mean, he, he, he gave, is their, yeah, he, he's their bright spark. Absolutely. You know? I think, I think, I think they're going to be relying on two people um, to, to, to get them. It'll be Wijnaldum and Depay. Yeah, yeah, and most noticeably, Wijnaldum. And Frankie de Jong only played 30 minutes. So they're wrapped in cotton wool for Holland. All right, let's focus a little bit on Scotland here, Bob Holmes. If England are, are kind of overloaded in the right back department, then the Scots have got yeah. the left side sorted out, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> in, yes. in Robertson and Tierney, they've got possibly the best two left footers in, in, in the British Isles. Best two left backs in the world, you could argue. <laughs> It was a bit of a problem. Uh, who do you pick? Uh, but Steve Clark seems to have solved that by playing Tierney as a left-sided central defender. And an attacking and he, one at that, Bob. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, you get the feeling that Tierney can play just about anywhere. Yeah. Um, what a player. Uh, Arsenal made a fantastic signing there, didn't they, when they got him for relatively little, I think. So what, what are you saying? He's, he has to leave Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Too good for Arsenal. Well, no, he could play. How about playing him at uh, left-sided centre-back for Arsenal. I mean, um, 
you know? Well, he played there last season, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, well, he's he done, he's done he it did. quite a few times, yeah. 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 You could play Saka at left back. back. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's uh, by the by. But uh, Scotland, yes, a very, very uh, good performance for them, uh, considering they've got six uh, of their best players missing. Seven, I think, seven of, of them missing. Um, there were guys in there who we barely heard of, Kevin Nisbet, um, promising on play for Hibs, but never played outside the Scottish League. You know, unknown to most most fans, I think, outside of Scotland. Um, and, Jack uh, Hendry, Jack Hen- where did that Jack shot Hendry. come from? Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Mm. I, I think you've got to give Steve Clark some credit here. Mm. Um, I mean, he... Uh, he was a success as an assistant manager in the Premier League, if you remember. He was Mourinho's assistant yeah. when in the first coming of Mourinho at Chelsea. And he sorted out the defence. I mean, he's primarily a defensive coach. Now, Mourinho gets all the stick for parking the bus, but it was actually Steve Clark who was at the wheel. But he, The original um, bus driver. <laughs> he wasn't a great success at uh, West Ham when he was in um, total charge and he's had a, but he was, a, he was at uh, Kilmarnock. So he's, uh, I think he's doing a very good job and uh, England are going to have their work cut out. I think yeah. um, when they meet at Wembley, because uh, the Scots are, are going to try to reprise what they did in 1967 um, by defeating a, England, who were then world champions. Um, and then, they, of course, the Scots claim to be world champions because they beaten the world champions. Um, you know, they love nothing better than beating England at Wembley, and they will be up for it. Make no mistake about that. So this is going to be uh, a tricky game for England. And as we've seen, the Scots are no mugs. If they can hold Holland and just almost beat Holland, um, in a in a, a pre-tournament match like that, they are with seven of their best players missing. Then England are going to have their work cut out. Yeah, Scottish football fans with no tickets have been warned not to travel to London. I reckon a warning should 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 suffice. They will listen. Yeah, <laughs> a, stern, a stern finger wagging. A, a stern finger wagging as well. We're coming along with the warning. No Archie Gemmell. Run for the goal this time, Des Corkill. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, what Bob's saying is Scotland have a chance. And, I, you know, I want to see Scotland go through. I'd, I'd like to see Scotland uh, play and um, play well. But they don't win many games, although it's a great result. I think their one win in five or six, um, and, and even that was only over the Faroe Islands. They did really well to get there, um, beating the likes of uh, Serbia. Uh, in the in the penalty shootout, but uh, the the sum, of, I think the expectation for Scotland, they'll be looking on that Wembley fixture as you've got to go down there and you've got to give us pride and freedom and and all of that stuff. It it never goes away. But if they can make the top three, if they can get to the round of sixteen, I think Scotland will look on this as a a, a, a job really well done. Um, but Croatia and Czech Republic are difficult opponents. Yeah. They're going to have to be dogged. They're going to have to be resilient. Despite the two goals yesterday, I still don't see where they're scoring at uh, scoring goals or their goals are going to come from um, because they don't create vast amounts. So defensively, they're good. They've got great left backs. Uh, defensively, they can be organised and solid. It's 
a great result against Holland, but uh, anything beyond the round of 16, I think, is, is, a, is a big ask for the start. For the job. All right. Well, with that draw, Scotland ended a run of four straight defeats against Holland and two goals, whereas many of them scored in their previous 11 meetings against the Dutch. So well done, Steve Clark and Scotland. We hear a new contract is in the offing for Mr. Clark. Uh, France 3, Wales nil was uh, very unlucky for Wales. VAR checked, and I can't believe they, they upheld Nico Williams's red card. I mean, harsh. It, you, that doesn't even cover it, Craig Marais. I, I, I don't know. I watched this a couple of times, and uh, I think they've made the right decision there. Um, it's a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, he's got his hands up. Um, I, I think it's a red card. Um, I don't. I don't think there's much to complain. Yes, you can. You're going to argue about the distance and and this, that, the other. But I mean, he, he's blocked a certain goal with his hands there. And um, penalties give, is, is punishment give, enough, you, surely? Well, if you if you give a penalty, you've got to give the red card because it's a handball. He's blocking the goal with his hands. And you think back to. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I mean, Luis Suarez in the World Cup. It's nowhere back. near the same. It's not a fair comparison. That's why fair I just comparison. said that, guys. Hence, it's I just not, said that. It's not you, quite the same. I <laughs> put it say out that. there. I did say that. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I can see why they've given it. Um, I, I, I think it's a red. Um, but um, um, I, I think France were, were you know, deserved winners. I, I don't think uh, that, you know, even with 11 men, Wales would have posed much of a threat. I thought they had a decent start, though, Wales. Um, they had a couple of chances early on. Um, but, you know, I think all in all, France, uh, you know, were, were, were just, you know, too good and, and the quality that they have uh, there. I think it was good to see Benzema back uh, in a blue shirt. Uh, yeah. Unfortunate for him missing the penalty. He hit the post also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Um, I think Conte obviously comes back into that midfield. Uh, but but in the attacking positions, you know, do they go with that Griezmann and Mbappe um, and Benzema strike strike force, so or does you know Giroud come back into it? I mean, they they've trusted him for so long. Mm. Um, they, they've got a few options there, so um, I think the depth in that French squad is just ridiculous. It really is, you know. And and if there was someone to you know get injured and or, or face the same problem that certain teams are having, um, the the quality that comes into a place that is just ridiculous. I mean, you had Rabiot come in for for Kante. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, the quality is just crazy. All right, I tell you what, we're, we're pausing it there. More on France and Wales. We're going for another break. We'll be back on the other side of this. This is On the Ball on BFM 89.9. We wondered if you'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us, Bob Holmes, Craig Marias, and Des Corkill. Uh, joining me to talk about the build-up to Euro 2020. Of course, it's rescheduled from last summer. Before the break, we were talking about France 3, Wales 0, and, and Craig pointed out how much depth this, this France side. They, they are worthy favourites going in, into the summer's tournament. But, Bob, let's look at Wales a little bit here. The, the little boys, what do you think they're... How do you think they're set up? There's more expectation now with the Welsh. Yeah. Um, yes, it was uh, the last Euros when they came. Uh, well, they got to the semi-finals, didn't they? Yeah. Semis, yeah. Knocked out Belgium. 
famously in the quarters. Robson really, Canu! Yep, the high point, <laughs> wasn't it, for Welsh football. Um, absolutely fantastic uh, performance. Uh, this time, they're not, they're not quite uh, as good as that. They haven't got the momentum. And, of course, they're without their manager, Ryan Giggs. But they seem to be managing okay. The um, the deputy uh, Bob Page, isn't it? Um, who's uh, Gigs? Uh, yeah, uh, Gigs' right hand man has taken over, and he's supposed to be in touch with Gigs. Um, and it's essentially Gigs' side and similar tactics, but you just haven't got the man uh, running the show. But the players seem to be uh, happy with the arrangements, and. Uh, I, I think that was a, a bit of a tragedy for Wales, that sending off. It was in the 25th minute, and they were giving it a good go, mm. matching France. And they could have taken something from that game. Even if they'd lost narrowly, it would have been a big feather in their caps. And um, to, But to go down to 10 men uh, so early on made it a, a bit of a farce. And when you get the French players pleading with a referee not to send an opponent off. I think that tells you everything. It tells you, you everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hugo Loris led it and explained it afterwards. They, they thought it was ridiculous. It's only a friendly after all. So in the past, you would have had discretion. That word, it seems to have gone out of the vocabulary of referees. A referee would have used his discretion and, and even if he'd given the penalty, I'm sure he wouldn't have been sent off. And the referee, he took so long. I thought the picture had frozen when he was there looking at the monitor. I, I thought some, either that or he was having a fit or something. You know? I mean, it took so long. He didn't move an eyelash, did he? And he didn't really want to do it. But he, I think... You know, he thought, well, his career uh, probably as a UEFA referee would end now if he didn't give it, if he didn't follow to the letter of the law. And yeah. this, is, this is really a great pity yeah. when you've got a situation like that, when referees are in uh, such a state that they, they have to do what they inside, they're telling themselves they shouldn't be doing. But that's the law. So... Unfortunately, Nico Williams went off. And okay, it may, the shot may have gone in, but he certainly wasn't putting his arms up there to block it. No way. They were there in a, in a relatively natural position, not that far away from his body. What's he supposed to do with his arms? <laughs> I mean, really, you know, he's, he's moving into position to try to block the, the shot with his body and his arms are hanging from the side. What, you know, and it hits, hits the arm. I mean, come on. So it, it, um, it was a blow for, for Wales. And really, I, I think they could have given France a, a bit of a go. They were looking up for it. And let's not forget, they've got quality players. Ramsey has come back. He hasn't played a lot because yeah. he's been in and out. And yeah. Juventus has been injured a lot. But you've, you've got two world-class players, or, well, one world-class player, Bale, and one who's not far off in Aaron Ramsey, and some pretty decent players in addition to that. Um, so they, I think they, they could be, um, definitely should get through to the... Um, the next phase of the tournament. 
All right, we'll, we'll talk more about Wales later. Uh, they, they play another friendly um, over the weekend. Let's, let's take a little break from European football and, and, and focus our attention to the Asian World Cup qualifiers and the Asian Cup qualifiers. Big game last night, early this morning. Malaysia playing all their group games or the remainder of their group games in the UAE. They went up against, remember, UAE with the side who tonked us 10-0. Right. Um, went there. It was 4-0 in the end. I'm coming to... Des, I know you worked on the game. I'm coming to the football fan first in Craig. Um, Craig, I mean, for ages, it was 1-0. The, the, the second half started promisingly. You thought, OK, we got away with that first half. Farizal saved us a little bit there. It's one. You've kept it down. You, you're trying to probe. But then there was a collapse. And, and four is unacceptable, Craig. Um, I, I genuinely thought the whole performance was unacceptable, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the, the team has been strengthened um, since uh, the last time the two sides faced each other. It was 2-1 uh, over here in Bukit Jalil. Um, and, you know, I think the previous time that they played them was that 10-0 um, demolishing. Um, and, I, and I really thought, OK, the gap has closed a lot. And it, and it has. Um, let, let's not, let's not uh, lie about that. But I think that the the performance, I think from 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 the players, I, I thought was unacceptable. Um, I thought there was enough quality to put up um, a little bit more of a fight. I think they lost the midfield completely. Um, I there was the no midfield, past, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, I think the game went past um, Shamir, um, Azam, and Liridon. Um, they, they they failed to get control of it. Failed to get the ball. Um, passing was off and and once you lose the midfield you know I mean it's a battle for the guys up front in those attacking positions in Safawi, Sumare, uh, Guahelme who when they did have the ball didn't really cover themselves in glory anyway um, um, and at the back you know it was just uh, the, I think defensively they did their best but I mean the, the UAE have got bits of quality I mean the, the first goal I mean what a ball over the top that is. I mean, you, you can look at it from a coach's point of view and say you should never be caught out from a long ball. Well, um, this is especially it. when it's especially when it's in, in, in the opposition's half. But what a ball that is. And the run, the touch, the finish. I mean, it, it's a class goal. You've got to give credit sometimes where it's due. Um, Farizal is the only player I think comes out of this game with, with some credit. Um, he kept the scoreline down. Yeah. Um, I, I think in the end, I mean, the 4-0... Uh, scoreline was about right. Um, although, you know, we got to look at it and say that two goals at the end um, were, were the killer. You know, I mean, Malaysia were just, I mean, with the high line towards the end and, you know, really trying to press. I thought, um, you know, you touched upon it, um, Ross, you know, second half, they really came out. Yeah. Uh, clearly, words were said at halftime uh, and they started pressing higher up the pitch, forcing UAE into a, a few mistakes. Um, uh, I think there's one that nearly came into an own goal. Um, and then there was one, you know, keepers just, just you know, booting it out. So, so Malaysia did cause uh, UAE problems. Any sense? Okay, maybe uh, whilst we're still in it, you know, you can just grab uh, one of those chances and, and mm. maybe just make the game a little bit more interesting. But um, overall, I, I think uh, Coach Time will come away from that, um, and he and he he'll hold his hands up and say, "Look, we weren't good enough on the night." And um, I think it was always a big ask to get something from the match. But it's the next two matches which are crucial. And, well, this is need, it. They need to get six points from them. They need to get six points from them. Um, uh, Tan Cheng Ho will look at that and think, Des Corkill, I, I, need, I need four more, five more players 
with the closing power of Shafiq Ali, closing down power, running power. <laughs> of, but, but yeah, it was it was lost in midfield. Um, the defence, you can't really hold out. And Ali Mahmoud, uh, no. the, the bane of, of Malaysian football. And also, their Brazilian is better than our Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's important to, to recognise also that UAE have improved beyond all recognition. They're 74. The... Let's, let's put it into perspective, right? They, they, they're half better than us. And they are going to get better. They are now an outstanding team. And Ali Makbout is just a goal-scoring machine. Do you realise he's now scored 76 <clears throat> international goals? 76 international In goals. In 96 got, games or something like that. It's less than that. Less than that. Eight hat-tricks. And then his race <laughs> yesterday was his, was his seventh goal against Malaysia in four matches and the 11th time he scored two. He's, he's a goal-scoring machine. Uh, like Yunus Mahmoud from Iraq uh, earlier on in the century, he's a, a top, top player. And, but right the way through the team, they had quality. I loved the work of Fabio. Uh, Banda was up and down that right-hand side. So I think it's important to recognise the UAE are a strong side and I can see them going to the semi-finals, maybe even better of the Asian Cup. Certain, certainly they're, they're, they're a shoo-in now. They were struggling. They weren't great, yeah. but Bart Van Marwijk and his backup team have done a, a really good job there. Saying that, um, they're up against the quality. There was big noise that Dion Kools was playing, that uh, Krasnicki was playing, that Guillaume de Paula was playing. What they were meant to do was bring physicality to Malaysia. And Kools, uh, I, I gave him a, a pass um, uh, in that he was introduced so late and I, I, I don't think he was at fault for, for anything. Playing out of position as well. Yeah, playing out of position, but uh, I, I, I understood the, the reasoning for it. But um, Krasniki, the first 20 minutes, he was caught in possession as UAE pressed. Yeah. And that set the agenda, that set yeah. the tone for the first half. And it was only when Shafi came on and Azam, who was uh, a little bit lost in, in midfield, Azam uh, was, was replaced by Shafiq, that Malaysia <coughs> did try to press. And for half an hour, I thought Malaysia were the better side. And Shafiq did have that chance and they were the better side. But UAE are, are quality, are genuine. It's... Uh, it, it's not a word you can often use for Asian football, but that Fabio goal was fabulous. And then the two late goals just um, stuck the knife in. Encouragement for Malaysia, they were able to adapt. They were able to compete for half an hour, more than compete, be the better team for half an hour. Um, the, the negatives, I think you've got to get more running out of a 34-year-old Guillaume de Paula. Uh, you've got to get more urgency from Larry Don Krasnicki. If they're coming into the team, they've got to be leaders in the team. Uh, and that means that they've, they've got to be the, 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 the first of breakfast, the first of training, the first chasing a ball, the first working hard. They can't be show, uh, shown up by the likes of Shafi coming on. So that's, that, I think, is what Tanchenko has got to take away. He's somehow got to get into Guillaume de Paula. Despite the overwhelming heat, I can't tell you, it was 38 degrees in yeah. the day yesterday. It was yeah. 30 degrees when they were playing. It's very un-Malaysian-like, and you can say they've acclimatised, but that will equal things up for the matches against Vietnam and Thailand. It's not all lost, but it wasn't a great day at the office. All right, well, Thailand and Indonesia played out a 2-2 draw. Actually, that helps Malaysia. So now what that means is you've got three teams, UAE, Thailand and Malaysia, all locked on nine points. UAE do have a game in hand. Malaysia's next game, next Friday against Vietnam. We will build up to that one properly.
for you <laughs> next week. Uh, all right, we're going for a final break. Uh, midweek friendlies next. Lovely football, speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture for goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Bob, Craig and Des here looking forward to the midweek action. Of course, with Euros kicking off next Friday, all the big nations are in action so chance for us to look at, well, Spain versus Portugal is enough to whet anybody's appetite. It's Saturday, 1.30 a.m. Bob Holmes, Spain versus Portugal. Portugal, of course, finalists uh, last time around. Uh, you can't count out Portugal simply because of the quality they have in the squad. Uh, finalists, winners. So, sorry. <laughs> so, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Don't you remember Ronaldo managing uh, the sidelines from the touchline? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for once, uh, Portugal, they had the, a brief ascendancy over their Iberian neighbours. Um, and I think they're, they're still up there. It's probably about 50-50 now. But they're not quite the same. When you look at the names, uh, the team doesn't sort of, uh, you don't say, wow, like you did yeah. a few years ago, um, where they ha- seem to have a world-class player in just about every position. Um, this is nowhere near as good. And I think on paper, you could even argue that Portugal might be the better side. Uh, certainly, they're more familiar names to anyone who follows the English Premier League. There's uh, one or two Wolves players in there, and of course, uh, Diogo Jota of Liverpool, so, and Ronaldo. Um, so, uh, the, this, this will be a cagey sort of affair. Neither side will want to, uh, to really go at it fully. I don't think there are too many bragging rights in this. They, they've arranged this uh, as a neighbourly sort of affair, final warm-up, and there'll be a tacit agreement not to kick Cal out of each other uh, five days before the, um, the tournament starts. Don't touch the face. Sure. Don't touch the face. <laughs> <laughs> but when it gets down to it, um, I, I think, uh, I mean, Spain have got a fairly easy group to negotiate and they should get through that. But I don't see them winning this tournament. I mean, they haven't got a goalkeeper for a start. I mean, it will be interesting to see who he puts in goal. Yeah. David De Gea uh, or, or Sanchez of uh, Brighton has been uh, talked about. But um, I, I'd go for De Gea. I'd still, I still think he's the best. But um, they've only got a couple of the old guard from Barcelona. When you look at it, Busquets and Jordi Alba, who are not what they were. So it's a sign that Spain have declined since those heady days. Yeah, Luis Enrique. Craig is is leading Spain into a new era here. Uh, is it is it the first time where there's actually no Real Madrid players in a Spanish squad? Uh, I think so. Um, uh, I right, cannot, I, I can't ever remember a yeah. time ever. <laughs> no, no, all. And uh, I think Ramos probably would have been there if he wasn't injured. Um, but yeah, it was a very surprising team selection um, from from Enrique. Um, but it's exciting. Um, it is what it is as well. Um, let's not forget. Uh, like you say, you know, it's the young players that are coming through. I'm really 
excited to see Pedri play. Um, you know, I've enjoyed watching him at Barcelona. I think he's he's a star of the future. He's 17, 17, 18 years old. He's he's got the potential to set this this tournament alight. Um, um, I, I do think he's got a really good career in front of him. We know about Gerard Moreno, um, obviously Ross very well, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know he, he's another one. You know that that striking position um, is still up for grabs. He's had a fantastic season for Villarreal. Um, he could, you know, if, if the service is right, he could be, you know, in amongst the goals. And um, I, I just think there is something exciting. I think this Spanish side is going to surprise a few people. Uh, I really do. You know, I think they're going under the radar a bit because of obviously France, because of England. Um, yeah. Another side as well, uh, Belgium as well. Um, I think those are the three main uh, main tournament favourites. But another side as well that that is going under the radar alongside Spain is Germany as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think you know it's both both countries are kind of at a similar level where uh, it's the, the blending in the young the young players into this tournament. Um, but because they're they're that that young. And there's no expectation really with these guys, and and it's it's one of those where you just feel that with no responsibility, with no expectation, um, they're really going to take you know control of this and say, hey, look, I'm just going to go out there, do my thing, um, and just see what happens. There's still a lot of quality amongst those individuals. Um, I think Enrique is a really good coach as well. Um, this could be potentially an exciting time for Spain. Um, and don't be surprised if they surprise a few. <laughs> All right. Well, Spain are in Group E, uh, along with uh, Slovakia, Poland and Sweden. Portugal, of course, in the Group of Death, along with France, Germany and Hungary. Wow. So that's a massive high-profile friendlies. We're just going to run through a few of them for you. Uh, Des Corkill, Italy versus the Czech Republic. Is uh, Saturday, 2.45 a.m. Now, Mancini's got this Italian side really firing at the moment. Just like Spain, it's a new era. Uh, he's even left out the, the, uh, a few promising in Moise Keane, didn't make the final squad. So uh, it's looking good for the Italians. They're on a ridiculous run of games at the moment, something like 25 or something unbeaten. Uh, in their <clears> last 11 matches, one goal conceded. Uh, phenomenal seven straight wins um, 28 yeah. games 67 it, scored 14 conceded I mean it, it, it's really <laughs> it's good crazy. and they played some decent teams there yeah. they've had to go to Bulgaria to, to win and Lithuania and they've come away and everyone said oh it's not spectacular but they've won 2-0 and they've done everything they've got to do um, and this is a team under the radar bizarrely because nobody's talking about them um, even in Italy, I think they're talking about them. But you've got uh, you've got the experience, the the old boys like Cellini, who's still part of the squad, and Bonucci. Uh, you've got the, the the exciting Federico Chiesa. Um, now now the now the trauma of the Juventus season is over. Maybe he'll have a chance to um, to spread his wings. And all over the pitch, you you can't see too many weak points there. Maybe they don't have a standout superstar who can go and win. Uh, the tournament for them, but I, I can see them being very, very awkward, difficult opponents, and that and that run uh, going to take them deep into the competition. Um, so yeah, Mancini's he's gone about things very nicely. He's underestimated Mancini, isn't he? I know he won the title uh, um, with, with with Man City, and I know he's done well everywhere, but he's never really talked about in odd terms in, in mm. terms of coaching. Yeah. Even from his days as a player at Sampdoria, he was being talked about as a as a as a high profile coach. So um 
he, he doesn't do the histrionics of Conte. He just gets on with the job. And um, yeah, look out for Italy, I feel. Look out. Yeah, Bernadeschi. Uh, I, um, I, anyway, follow the social media. It's very funny. And also, I, I want to mention, did you see the Italian squad being announced? Uh, on yes. To, uh, they had a band on. They had the Italian players on stage singing with the band. It was... It was hilarious. Like the old days. You used to have the World Cup songs. Bob, Bob I remember back home. And Craig, I remember, well, what was it? The, 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 the rap that the uh, England team did. It's Why coming so? home, mate. That's the only Chumba song. Wumba. Chumba Wumba, 98. Bob and I remember 1970. That's the scary thing. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's, have a, let's have a final word on, on Italy, Czech Republic. Uh, Czech, the Czechs are obviously in, in England's group. Um, they're not going to be easy to, to negotiate as well. But the Italians, Bob, uh, Des has a point here. They're on an astonishing run and they've got to be quite fancied. Uh, yeah, well, they have a history of, uh, of uh, being either a great tournament team or a lousy tournament team. I mean, they, um, you know, they've won the World Cup twice when they've not really been fancied. And uh, they got to the final in 1970 when they weren't fancy. <laughs> and they have this knack. Once they get on a roll, they seem to be able to really go the distance. Having said that, they've also famously crashed out yeah. spectacularly uh, in 66 to North Korea in one of the great uh, upsets of all time. So... Um, yeah, you, you do hesitate a little bit, but of course, um, Mancini seems to have matured as a manager, and um, I think this might be his moment, actually. I think Italy are dark horses. It seems like his entire managerial career has been an apprenticeship for now, this, this tournament, and if he, if he does well, then presumably he'll still be there for the World Cup. So you sense that because he's 50 now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was good. Like Des says, you know, he didn't seem to get the credit he deserved when Man City won the league the first time. Aguero got it all, didn't he? <laughs> uh, it, uh, I mean, OK, it was, he deserved it. It was magnificent. But it kind of took something away from the manager. And... Mancini, I mean, he did have money to spend and all that, but I think he did a very good job to get Man, uh, Man City over the line, bearing in mind the history of, of uh, cock-ups and everything else in the past and, you know, getting that team to gel. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's, he's had uh, his, you know, um, downturn since then, but I think he does seem ready for this role. And he seems to have a good team spirit. He's got a nice balance between old and young. And I think he's there. I think they're going to be a force. I, I'd put them down as, uh, as probably second favourites to France. All right. Italy versus the Czech Republic is Saturday, 2.45 a.m. Wales are taking on Albania in their final warm-up game. Luxembourg against Scotland. The Scots are expected to score a few. I hope, in that one. Monday midnight, that one kicks off. Belgium versus Croatia. We didn't really have time to talk about the Belgians, but they are one of the big favourites for the tournament. Of course, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, big question mark over his availability. 
with a fractured nose and eye socket, I understand. Uh, that's it. That's all the time we have for now. Hope you enjoy the football over the weekend. We will be here all the way through till the end of the Euros. For now, I'm going to say thanks to Des Corkill. I'll get my sleep back after the, the Malaysia catastrophe. Looking forward to Friday. Come on, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Craig Marias. <laughs> Thank you, as always, Ross. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, yes, come on, Malaysia. Six points from two games. We can do it. Can be done. It can be done. I'm sure you're feeling the same, Bob Holmes. <laughs> I am. Come on, Malaysia, and come on, England. You've been here long enough to say bolela. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great weekend. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On the Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.